You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Did you see the Antonio Brown tweet from today, by the way? The, or the statement? Yeah, I did. I did. That was amazing. You know. Absolutely amazing. I mean, you're in the South, Rob. It, it's, you know, Jesus and football and. Sure. Red Rocks. Red, yeah, Red Rocks. I'm not sure what that was about. Uh, Mina Kimes thought it was like a Wilco reference to their song, Jesus, etc. Okay. Probably, I guess. Probably I guess not. that would require. Him knowing what that is. I'm, I'm fairly certain Antonio Brown has not listened to any Wilco, but I could be wrong. I mean, I, I don't know what Antonio Brown does. He does some weird stuff, man. I mean, he even had a weird word mark on that thing, which was hilarious. I enjoyed that. Uh, the, the sports memory. Yeah, sports memory. That's right. All right, uh, man. What a guy. What, what a CT-filled man. It's like me saying my biggest regret is that I never get to see myself podcast. <laughs> I don't want to see that of I, myself. I don't like hearing the sound of my own voice, honestly. I don't either. Like, every time I play these back, I think, God, I sound so nasally. I, I can't listen to it. I, but I also don't want to see myself because I'm, like, squatting on my couch, like, <laughs> just in a, in a tank top talking to my computer. Like, I look like a freak. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But, you know, good for good for Antonio Brown for getting that out there. I guess. He's not signed, is he? Uh, I don't think he is. He got released. Yeah. I, I doubt anyone's stupid enough to pick him up. Uh, have you met the Jacksonville Jaguars? Maybe. They, they would seem like a good option. They just kind of popped into my head. But all the Jesus at Red Rocks memes are just killing me. Jesus and Red Rocks. Absolutely killing me. There was one with like a, a hip hop album cover with the parental advisory sticker in the bottom right corner. Good. Excellent. That's Excellent work. Awesome content. Excellent work. He never fails to deliver. No. No, I mean, I'm terminally online and, and poisoned by this app, but it, it does deliver. It does entertain me. There's some good stuff. There's some good stuff. And then there's some really bad stuff that we're, we'll just ignore. We'll yes. leave that to one side. I just that's why we have mute and block features. That's that's it comes in handy. All right, man. Or, so, or if you're on private, you can just unfollow people, which is what I do. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, because you have that private account. Yeah, man. All right. Well, since we're here, Rob, let's talk a, a little Atletico. 
Let's do it. Preseason's done, man. Uh, the, the season itself begins, well, La Liga actually starts on Friday. Atletico don't play till Monday when they travel the, the short trek to the uh, Coliseum Alfonso Perez to take on Getafe to open the 2022-23 season. Uh, Atleti completed an unbeaten, perfect preseason, Rob. Four wins from four, 13 goals scored, one against. How much preseason did you watch? Absolutely none. <laughs> I watched no preseason game of any club whatsoever. Uh, I think the closest, like, I watched, I saw all the goals afterwards. Like, I watched the highlights, but um, I, the closest I got to following it was I still have the, I have the notifications on my phone when they score. And I was like, Hell yeah. Morata's doing what right now? That's right. <laughs> that was my main reaction. You know, Madrid have Benzema, Barcelona have Lewandowski if they can register him. Okay, that's impressive. But at Atletico, Rob, we have Alvaro Morata. Alvaro Morata, the that's, guy we've always wanted. That's right. Always been big fans of his on the program. <laughs> <laughs> we welcome him back with open arms. That's right. I have never had an unkind word or thought about Alvaro Morata's style of play. He will score some goals. <laughs> <laughs> some amount of goals. Some amount of goals. Likely less than 15. <laughs> uh, so he is, he is set to stay, Rob. That's probably a perfect place to start the pod as we talk about some preseason thoughts and observations in yeah. so much as we have them. Uh, Marata led all Atleti players in goals this preseason with four of them, including the hat trick to close things out against his old team, Juve. That's, that's quite the... Uh, the hat trick, though, Rob, against the team that's been trying to sign him the entire summer, he goes and drops a hat trick on him in a rescheduled friendly at their training facility. Yeah, weird. that was a weird one. Um, I, I don't know if that was him being like, please come and sign me, or, I don't know, taking out some kind of frustration. Who knows? But, yeah, I mean, that that was pretty perfect. He um, His second goal was just this incredible solo run. Yeah. And he, he cuts outside... Uh, of the defender to slot it in for his second goal of the half. And that was moments after João Felix missed a penalty. Well, you know, incredible. The, the thing with Morata is uh, he's been signed by a lot of really good teams because in moments he can look really good. Mm -hmm. It's it's, but then every single team that he's ever signed for, he doesn't stay there for a particularly long time because then they realize he's like highly inconsistent. Mm -hmm. and volatile. <laughs> so it's kind of the Morata experience. To like have one really good game, and now he's not going to score until November. And I, and you, and I know better at this point than to get overly excited about no. preseason exploits, especially Marat's, when we know the kind of player he is. Um, I actually think he could be helpful for Atleti this year. It looks like yeah. we're going to carry five forwards again, which God help me. The easy solution is to swap one out for a center back, but I guess that's too obvious. Um, we're going to carry five forwards again. But I think Morata, I don't know where he is in the pecking order right now. He started the preseason arguably fifth, but now he may have worked himself into a position where he starts the opening game against Hitafe. Uh, he, he's good in the air. He's a good support forward, uh, really good in hold-up play, a willing option in hold-up play. He just doesn't finish consistently, and he strays offside a lot. I think if you're going to make the case for him this year is that he would be a good foil to Xiao Felix. Mm -hmm. And if his whole role is predicated on making Xiao Felix better, then that is a that is a good situation. Because God help us if we have to talk about having a redundant option again with Xiao Felix. Mm. <laughs> like Antoine Griezmann or like Angel Correa. Or Angel Correa, yeah. Uh, you know, it... He at least offers something different, um, which I think is worthwhile and potentially helpful because I don't know that you think this, but I feel fairly confident that you do, that this is the Xiao Felix uh, goes nuclear season. I do so think if, this. if Morata yes. is the guy to facilitate that, then I, I could see that. Mm -hmm. I And I do want to talk about that momentarily because I 100% believe this will be Xiao Felix's year where he becomes one of the best players in Europe. Same. Um, and there aren't that many great roles for Morata because he's a really weird player. He's not the kind of nine that a bunch of clubs uh, thought he was or is. But this is one scenario I think he can be useful because he's a pretty good support forward. He had a bunch of assists at Juve last year. And from what I saw, had good chemistry with Dusan Vlahovic. Yeah, which also is kind of a weird fit. 
Um, but I think for a guy like Shao Felix, I think those two, if if they can form a good combination, I think they're two very different skill sets. Could could work pretty well together. Zhao's assist for him, the first goal of the game. Oh man! He took out four defenders with that through ball. Oh my god! I know it's preseason, but that got me excited. I mean, if you know, if he can put it on a platter for Morata. You know, eventually he will not miss all of those chances. If he's getting amazing, if you're counting on Murata to be the number one striker and also do some creation, then you're going to be in trouble. But if you have Joe Felix there, he he, he might get a few. Um, but no, I, I think it, I think it, I can talk myself into the combination working, even though I know that Murata's never going to be a superstar. It's just not who he is. Yeah, and he, he's not the kind of, of killer nine that Madrid thought he would turn out to be, that Chelsea thought he would be, that perhaps Juventus thought he would be. Right. But he can still be a, a, a perfectly acceptable and useful player, and especially in a World Cup year where motivation has always kind of been his weak point. Uh, True. He's, he's struggled for inspiration, and mentally he hasn't always – it's not his strength. You know, The, the right. mental aspect of the game hasn't always been the sharpest for him, but – in a World Cup year where he's staying at Atletico and he still has to maybe convince Luis Enrique that he should be the starting nine at the World Cup this November, then that just improves the internal competition. It'll improve Morata personally, individually, and the competition for places, again, looks to be pretty fierce. And I wonder how Cholo is going to juggle it all. Well, and you have to think, like, this could realistically be his last chance at yeah. a World Cup because... By the time the next one rolls around, he'll be 34. Yeah, he'll be 33 or 34. Yeah, so, yeah, he'll be 33. But, um, kind of on the precipice. I kind of thought he would push harder for a move because of that. Right. But the reporting in Spain has said that he really wants to stay. His attitude's been good. He and his wife and kids are tired of moving around. Well, and to be fair, he he's always liked being at Atleti. That was never really the issue mm-hmm. uh, he, he's never really had a problem with that I mean he wanted to come to the club and I think he enjoyed you know moments of his time there but um, I don't know it, it's just a weird situation but yeah I mean if if there's ever a time for it to happen this is it let's talk about Jao Felix a little bit more Rob tell me yeah. why you think this is going to be the year he goes nuclear well I mean, I think the thing that I'm certainly guilty of, and I think a lot of other people are guilty of, is taking for granted just how young Jao Felix was and is uh, when he joined Atleti. And it was a really, it's, it was a tough situation for him when he came because he struggled with injuries and it was a really different system that he was getting into. But you look at the last two years. And there's just been steady improvement. I think his finishing's gotten better. He stayed largely healthy mm-hmm. um, and I, I think he's kind of figured out what his spot is in this team now and I think also he's earned Cholo's trust to be the guy in the team um, so I think you know he's only 22 years old he'll turn 23 during the year um, I think this is the year like he he's still so young it's amazing but he the last two seasons have been really good and yet we're still disappointed because we know how damn good he is we know just how good he can be how how much of a tease he is like i am i'm very Zhao felix pilled for about uh, seven or eight months now uh yeah and i i I am very very convinced this is gonna be his year It it can't not be this might be uh maybe not Zhao's last chance but this is his fourth year here out of a seven-year contract, and we've seen it in glimpses. I mean, his first year, he, he moved too soon. Atleti bought him from Benfica probably a year before they should have, but if they wait that extra year, they don't get him. No, probably They, they wait that extra year, and Benfica sell him to Madrid. They sell him to Man City. They sell him where, wherever else. So Atletico had to swoop when they did to get someone this talented. And his, his talent has always been obvious, but yeah. you watch him and how he moved in the second half of last season before he... Uh, suffered the muscle injury to his hamstring and you watch how he moved in this preseason and he's so good uh, just how quick he is how agile he is how intelligent he is how graceful he is on the ball his vision uh, his finishing ability the way he strikes the ball so cleanly and so powerfully uh, 
the eye test and the underlying metrics, like his shot creating actions, uh, the amount of times he's fouled per 90 also kind of puts this into perspective. He gets fouled so much because opposing teams just zero in on him and target him that he gets no protection from refs. So I think this is the year he's going to get that respect now that he kind of took it by the scruff of the neck last February and said, right, this is my starting place in the 11. Uh, He had a period where he scored seven times in 10 games and almost single-handedly, probably along with Reynildo, dragged us back into the Champions League places to stay. So and, and and he was doing that in a dysfunctional ass team. Yeah, that's that's the other thing is that I I think slash hope we're going to be more functional this year. I think the idea as to how we're going to play, what formation we're going to use, I think that's a bit clearer. Simeone seems really wedded to the three five two, which I think is great news. Um, he that he views that that is the way forward. Playing with three center backs, the club needs to back him better and get him another center back to probably make it work. Uh, given our injuries back there, but he right. views this as the way forward, the best way to get the most out of the attacking talent that is in this squad. And Cholo at his at his core, Rob has always been a pragmatist. Like people say, let it go play defensive. They play harem ball. They they play this terrible defensive anti football style. When no, Cholo was responding to the options in his squad, whether the club backed him properly or not. Now we can play ideally with a bit more freedom in a 3-5-2 or even a 3-4-3 given we still have five forwards in the squad and I think that's just the perfect opportunity for Zhao to shine uh, and it's the perfect chance for him to just explode and, and put this team on his back and maybe lead Atletico to some silverware this year. Well, I mean Simeone is never going to go hell for leather and play all-out attacking football. That's just not a thing. Um, now, whether it will be more watchable, I guess, remains to be seen. Um because it really was tough last year. Um, but I think the other thing, it's kind of old school, I think, the role that Jeff Felix is probably going to have because, or he should have, is just give him the car keys, man. Yep. Like, just be the old school number 10 that you don't really see that much anymore, but just, and not even a, a traditional number 10, but just be the guy initiating everything in the attack and good things will happen. Um, there's good players around in that forward line. I think they need to settle on who those guys are going to be and not just keep chucking in. It's like, all right, this week we're going to try Cunha. This week we're going to try Antoine Griezmann. Mm-hmm. This week we're going to try Morata because I don't think that helps anybody. Um, but I think finding a settled group of players is, would be very beneficial to Joao Felix. But as we can see, even if it's not, he can still make things happen. And yeah, he's individually so good that he alone can break the system. And that's something you and I talked about when Atleti first signed him three years ago. Uh-huh. Is that he might be so skilled individually that he can just do anything he wants. And he can just freelance and improvise and it works out. So yeah. I think we're going to see that this season. And your point about getting things settled and balanced more or less is also a good one. I think someone could look at this squad and say, wow, Atletico only made three signings this summer and one of them has been loaned out to Valencia Samuel Lino the other two are here uh, one of them is a 33 year old pivot coming off an Achilles injury a year and a half ago and the other is a, an exciting young wingback who's Argentina's starter at that position uh, but is unproven at the top level yeah so I think the the glass half full is okay Atletico didn't at, at least as far as we know there's still a few weeks left in the window and there have been the Renan Lodi rumors today uh, right. Atletico haven't lost anybody important. They've kept the squad practically as is, um, which ordinarily would be good. But the glass half empty perspective is, well, they kept the squad together when it was bad last year. Right? This is they didn't lose yeah. any major players. They didn't make any splashy, bold, audacious signings. They just kept things as it was, as they were. And this is a team that for most of last year played horribly and um, didn't get into a Champions League place until March. So. Are you glass half empty or glass half full? Was it the right decision for Atletico to not upset the chess pieces too much? Um, I mean, I, I would lean empty, but on the basis that I think there wasn't much room to work with. Like, obviously, I, I wish that we were in a scenario that the squad could be backed more than it was. But I think... With a lot of these guys, there was just no room to move them. Like, 
Adelaide sold nobody for any amount of money this summer. Um, you know, barring the Lodi thing, which could happen, I guess. But yeah, yeah. There, there just wasn't much room to bring in any profit, which in turn meant there wasn't really any room to bolster the squad because a lot of these guys played crap last year and nobody really wants them. <laughs> so, yeah. like, and either that or they're old, um, which, again, same deal. Um, and it, it just is what it is. I mean, I think they did very well to get Lemar to take less money, which was crazy. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I like it. I, I, I think it, uh, I don't know. I I don't know what I think, to be honest with you. Like, the squad, I still look at it, I'm like, this is a jumbled mess. But then you start looking at the names, like, oh, I kind of like him. Oh, you know, he could come back, bounce back. I like the talent, that sort of thing. So it, it is such a teeter-totter thing with the squad. I think if you look into it for a long enough amount of time, you can convince yourself either way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I think at this point we just have to see it. That's kind of where I land. Um, do you think it's really s- as simple as if Jan Oblak bounces back, Atleti are instantly going to be contending for trophies again? It'll help. It'll help. Because he was really bad last year. He was bad. He, was, he, was bad. Lit- he literally, in some metrics, Rob, was the worst goalkeeper in La Liga, which is staggering for a, a player of his track record and his talent. I mean, and but then at the same time you can make – a bunch of excuses for him that like it's not like the team in front of him was doing him any favors no the, the, the defense was unsettled all year Hermoso and Felipe had terrible seasons Jimenez and Savage both spent a good chunk of the season on the shelf with injuries or suspensions and Atletico did not do anything to really reinforce that over the summer like their solution was was Renildo, who was signed as a left back. Cholo decided to make him a left sided center back because he's so defensively good and he's so physically strong and capable, and that worked out. I wonder if it's going to work out over a full length season. I think it's a fair question. Yeah, because um, like, he was a surprise that he was that good. Like we love Renildo; he's awesome. Yeah, he, but I, I love love that guy. But I, I would love for him to be that good. Yeah, I, I don't know that he is. Yeah, I don't know if it's a sustainable strategy. I don't believe it is a sustainable strategy to run it back with Hermoso and Felipe. But to your earlier point, uh, you can't sell if there are no offers. Like, nobody wanted Hermoso because he was bad last year. Um, Felipe, I don't know why they re-signed Felipe. That still is baffling to me uh, because he's just got gotten steadily worse since he arrived. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they, they didn't. The, the, the Lodi news that dropped today, in, in case you all missed it, uh, Manchester City apparently want him. This is in the Telegraph and in Diario As. Uh, Pep Guardiola is a big fan. He wants to turn him into another one of those marauding wingbacks they have. Uh, his release clause, I thought it was $60 million, Rob. Apparently it's 120 If it were $60 million, I'd be a lot more nervous about Lodi going. But at 120 nah. he can hold out for a, a Cucurea-like fee and, and hang on to him. But what do you think? Should Atleti be open to selling Lodi, even if it's this late in the window? Is there need for another defender, a left-sided defender slash left-sided center back? Is there need that great? I mean, for that amount of money, I think you have to at least think about it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's a lot of money for Lodi, who you and I both really like. Um, but I think it's fair to say that his athletic career has been up and down, and I've never been super convinced that Chola was ever that in love with him. Um, so, you know, I think if you get a large amount of money from Man City and you can use that to maybe address a couple areas of the squad, that's kind of attractive. Mm-hmm. And the window is still open for quite some time. There, There is time. So... I, I think you have to consider it, depending on what Man City are willing to offer. I mean, they obviously have a big need at left back. Like, they, they sold Zinchenko, they failed to get Kukurea, and they're going to sign the dude from Anderlecht, who's, okay, sure, that guy's not going to start for Man City. That's not a real thing. Like, <laughs> they, they need, like, a real left back. Um, I would be surprised if they didn't sign one. And I think... Lodi actually makes a lot of sense in a Pep Guardiola team. I think he would that would probably serve him quite well. Um, but I, I think you got to think about it. Like, I love him, but for, you know, we're talking 60, 70 million euros, I, I would think about it. Like, if, they, if City weren't going to go over 40 million for Kukurea, sure. why, why would they go to 60 or 70 for Lodi? 
Is Kukureya that... Is he better than Renan Lodi? For the fee Chelsea paid for him, no. Like, Chelsea paid a ridiculous fee for him. Like, I, I like Mark Kukureya a lot. There was a time I wanted to let it go to sign him pretty badly. But they spent how much on him? Like, oh, they sent 60 million quid on him? Right. With add-ons? Oh, my God. Like, I right. like him as a player, but that's an obscene amount of money. It's an insane amount of money. He had one very good year at Brighton, and he was good at Hatafe for one year before that. He's the same age as Lodi. We've seen Lodi perform at a higher level. Uh, in the Champions League, yeah. In the Champions League for three years at Atletico. Um, and be largely good, but also I think in the context of he would be asked to do less defensively in a pep team, which I think would benefit him. Yeah. I I think you can sort of see where the logic is there. And if you can bring me a center back of guarantees, quote unquote, then sure, sure, for 60 to 70 million, sure, I would part with Lodi, but... I, I still like him a lot. I still think he's a very talented player, and I, I think Definitely. he's also a pretty big breakout candidate. Um, if Reynildo can consistently clean up the defensive messes he leaves behind, then I think Lodi could really make stake his place in this team. But there's a lot of competition for places, Rob. Um, and I, I think that's one of the more the positives that I'm looking at, is that not only do Atletico and Simeone seem more sure of the system and the style they want to play, but... With Morata and Saul coming back, uh, at least for yeah. Morata, Saul, we, we can't really say. We need to see him in live game action. That isn't the preseason. But, you know, the competition for places, we have basically, if you include Griezmann, eight midfielders fighting for three places. We've got, you know, at right back, Molina, Vos, Llorente, hopefully not very often. On the left side, Carrasco, Saul, Lodi, Reynildo. And, and I wrote about the midfield earlier this week in that, you play. You can play Griezmann as an interior. Lemar can play as, as a central midfielder in a midfield three. You have DePaul. You have Koke. Can Dogbia and Witzel will be fighting for time there? Like the competition for places is is pretty intense, and hopefully it, it creates a, a healthier, um, I guess, I guess environment atmosphere, and then leads to a better season. Yeah, and then the flip side of that is the worry that there's so many options that it gets changed every week when something doesn't work out, you know? Like last year. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, it, it, I, I don't, I don't understand the Vitzel signing personally. Really? Interesting. I mean, I, I think he's a good, good player. Like he's been good for Dortmund obviously, but like, I don't know. I, I think he's a bit of a luxury player. Like, he has very nice moments, but I think over the course of the season, I don't think that he's like a super crucial piece, to be honest with you. Mm, interesting. Yeah, there's been a lot of praise for him on social media throughout the preseason. And I wasn't initially very excited by this signing because Atletico were linked with Bubakar Kamara, who ended up going to Aston Villa, God knows why. Um, a couple other guys. And then they just, like on a Saturday morning out of nowhere, they said reports from Belgium were like they're going to sign Axel Witzel like holy cow uh he's 33 he's had an Achilles injury a year and a half ago that sapped his mobility uh significantly and Atletico are going to sign him to a one-year deal not exciting not sexy but maybe he can get the job done uh, I, th- I mean it's a it's a free transfer so it's yeah fun. yeah like there's really not much risk involved and Kondogbia is still here so if it really doesn't work out and Witzel can't keep up with the pace of play especially in the bigger games, the higher tier competitions like the Champions League, then, yeah, we can say we may have seen this coming. Uh, but I, I really do wonder if the solution for Atleti's center back problem is just that Simeone is going to stick Witzel back there because he doesn't have as much mobility, but his yeah. vision and reading of the game are still really good. Uh, he was well over 90% passing accuracy at Borussia Dortmund last year, uh, well over 90 even 100% at least once this preseason. I think he completed every one of his passes. I'd have to double-check that. But we're talking, like, Rodri-level accuracy, um, like 95% or better, which we haven't had a, a midfielder or a deep-lying anchor, a deep-lying five with that kind of vision and that kind of ability to break up play since Tiago, maybe. If it all works out, at its best, we're getting a new Tiago. Yeah, I, I, 
I think we just have to wait and see. Yeah. Because his, the role could differ. You know, what he looks like physically could swing a lot. But mm-hmm. um, it's just a weird team. It, it's a weird group of players that you could talk yourself into or out of. And that's kind of what I've been doing. I've been vacillating on it for weeks, but we just have to see yeah. how it looks when the actual yeah. games begin. Uh, a question uh, I got for you from our, our WhatsApp group, the Colch Nero chat group chat on uh on whatsapp you can sign up on patreon.com by joining the ten dollar tier well you got any realistic expectations for marcos llorente this year now that Manuel molina is in tow uh i think a, a repeat of his 2021 season might be a little far-fetched but he's certainly better than the player we saw last year right i think so um i hope so <laughs> i mean yeah, 2021 was so ridiculous. Uh, you know, he, he was just such a physical beast mm-hmm. and that was capable of changing games on a moment's notice. And last year, just never got going. Just never once got going. And I don't know. I, I don't know what happened. It's not like he just fell off a cliff. I, I do think that last year, well... All right, I'll say this. I think 2021 was an outlier, and I think last year was an outlier too. So I think it'll likely end up somewhere back in the middle. Um, I think it'll probably be a lot like his, maybe like a slightly higher level than his first season, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I think there's a happy medium for Urente. Like I I saw some reaction saying, oh, the sooner Simeone realizes he's their worst midfielder, the better everyone will be like, what? Let's calm down. That was, that was like some of the reaction I saw. Like, folks, let, let's chill out here. Let's see how the, the games actually go. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like the guy who had 25 goal contributions and helped us win the league two years ago, you know, that guy might not be the – it probably isn't the truest indicator of how good a player Urente is. Um, and like Kieran, Kieran Trippier was absolutely sensational that year, um, and I, I think there was a rush to give Urente more credit than – compared to Trippier, who was just bar none the best right back in La Liga that season. Uh, with with Molina, though, I think the right side of our attack could be really explosive. Molina is a lot of fun. Uh, he, Cholo wanted him so badly, man, he, jo- he dropped him into the team immediately. Like, two days after they signed him, he's in the team. He loves it, man. After they announced him, he's in the team. Um, Molina, he's... He was playing as a wing back at Udinese. He's really fast, pacey, explosive. Could be a really exciting tandem with Llorente. Uh, I just wonder how he's going to hold up defensively, especially because he hasn't really played at the highest level. No disrespect whatsoever to Udinese, but that's a mid-table Serie A side. Yeah, you kind of wonder if it'll be similar to a Lodi situation. Um, like, you love what he does give going forward, but then... In a Simeone team, maybe he gets a little bit more exposed. Um, but I think, again, it's just one of those things we have to wait and see. Um, I think having a natural right back would be helpful. I think Urente was doing a job there. Um, I don't know. I don't really, I still don't really know what Marcos Urente is. Like, he's a really interesting player and can do a lot of good things for you. But I don't, I don't super know what he is. That's He's good, something. Yeah, who who really is Marcos Llorente? Last year he was a wing back. Unfortunately, he was a right, right. back. Uh, this year, I hope not to see that, and that's going to be one of the top storylines this year. I think, in addition to is Jan Oblak going to recover his form? Uh, is Jao Felix going to explode? Spoiler: Yes. I think the the number three question is: Will the real Marcos Llorente please stand up? Yeah. Right. I I don't think he's someone who's going to score double digit goals again, but I think there's half a dozen goals in there in the league. Yeah, it's probably six goals, three, four assists. I think he's someone who can basically operating as a pure winger, uh, playing ahead of Molina. Uh, that's probably someone who can get you double-digit goals if he's healthy. And remember, he, he missed a lot of time last year through injury. He missed, yeah. I think, the equivalent of two or three months with injury last year. He just causes chaos. He in does. In a good way. Last year was not in a good way because he, just, he yeah. was so disconnected from the play because the, we didn't sign a right back. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, and I don't think he is, will ever be 
any kind of like actual central midfielder. I think he he should be a guy that you use as a weapon going forward, whether that's off the bench or uh, you know starting on the wing, that kind of thing. You just want him in the box and doing stuff, yes, because he can make it happen. I I think he should. If we play in a three four three or a four three three type formation, he should be a forward. He should play on the right side of that forward three. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, because he's not the most defensively responsible. Other than like that one year at Alaves when he was there on loan, he was an absolute monster. That's never been Yorente's rep. Not really, anyway. Um, and it does leave us a bit open in midfield. You don't want 33-year-old Witzel getting overwhelmed. And you don't want Kondogbia, or God forbid, not Koke, again, getting overwhelmed in the right. center of the park. So it's an interesting... Uh, it'll be interesting to see just how Simeone weaponizes Yorente, how he sorts through all these options in midfield. I also wanted to ask you... Uh, because Simeone tried this multiple times in the preseason, and it seems like this is where he feels Griezmann should be deployed now. Do you think he could make a good interior player maker, a good interior uh, midfielder? Hmm. I can't say that I, like I say, I didn't watch the preseason games that closely, <laughs> so I didn't see what he looked like uh, there. Uh, make like a, a vision board, Rob. <laughs> a vision board. Mentally projected. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I guess in some ways, but I, I don't think... I mean, physically, we know that Antoine Griezmann is largely spent um, because he had a lot of hard years in there, um, <laughs> mostly at the hands of Diego Simeone. Um, I mean, he's always been a decent playmaker, but I think the thing with Griezmann is... You just liked what he brought from a physical standpoint so much. You kind of struggle to picture him as a more, like... You're not going to see him become, like, Cesc Fabregas or something here. You know? like Well, I, that, de- just, that depends I, which Fabregas you're speaking of. <laughs> which Cesc... the current one playing in, like, Serie B or whatever. Which, you know, all due respect to him, man. Just spend the last years of your career on vacation, basically. Hey, like Pomo, man. Why not? Yeah, that's hella nice. Ugh. Can't blame him. We get to be part owner of the club, sure. Did they really give him an ownership stake? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Good for him though. That's a deal. You go from Monaco, you you go from Monaco to Lake Como. That'll work. Yeah. That'll do. Played in played for two teams in London. Got to play yeah. in Monaco, Lake Como. Yeah, that's a... Was in Barcelona. And in Barcelona. I mean, he's never a, really lived in a bad place. Sesk has had a pretty scenic career, honestly. Oh, yeah. It's been good. Now it's that you... Good. If you really think about it, that's some pretty nice views he's had. Wow. Absolutely. Uh, I think um, I think Thierry Henry also became part owner of the club, so I don't know yeah. what's going on there. I, I did see that part, yeah. I don't know if... I don't know if that's this is like some Arsenal fan owning the club or something, but it just seems kind of weird. I think, yeah, the, the Fabregas comp you made is an interesting one. Um, I, I think we agree that Griezmann just doesn't have the mobility anymore, and, and maybe not even the finishing ability anymore, to be reliable as a forward. No. Uh, last year, I don't want to say conclusively demonstrated it because he did miss time with injury after Danny Carvajal knocked him out of the derby. But, yeah, I don't see him as a viable option at forward anymore, especially when the four guys, at least three of the four guys who are who are still in the squad, are I would argue, are better than him currently. Um, I think as an interior midfielder, playing as one of the two eights with DePaul on the other side, or Koke on the other side even, that could be pretty nice because Griezmann, for all his faults last season, still a pretty good playmaker, still sees the game extremely well, is a very good passer. And in the Champions League games, like the second leg against Man United, that was a heroic performance defensively. He was pulling fullback duty the entirety of the second half at Old Trafford. He will put in a shift. And that's why Jolo loves him. It, it, absolutely. That, I, that's all you have to do. Really. And I think you and I agree that's not worth paying Barca $40 million next year, no. but that's the way it goes. That's the decision the club made, and we'll, we'll see how it works. But I, I like the idea, honestly, of putting Griezmann in midfield. Um, that, that kind of removes the five-forward problem that we had last year. It just creates another one in midfield, but I like the competition. Um, you meant, We mentioned Lamar earlier. Um and that contract extension, I, 
I'm not sure I'd call it a stroke of genius, but it was a pleasant surprise. And he's going to get his money. He's just spreading it out. Instead of a two-year extension, it's a four-year extension. But I, I was – he's one of those guys, like like Lodi too, that I I would have been okay if he had left for a good fee, but I'm also kind of glad he's staying. I think Lima's a really good player, even though he's weird and that I think he can be replaceable as well. Totally. Totally, totally, totally. I mean, I, I think – We've seen him at his best now, which for a long time was like, what the hell is this guy <laughs> that we signed for all this money? Like, what are we doing here? But then, you know, two years ago, it was like, oh, well, this is the real Tomalema. And he was amazing. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I like him as a player. I think it would be interesting to see where he fits in again because we've seen what makes him successful. Um, and I'm glad that I think it was important that he stuck around um, because I think he's useful and I think he understands what Simeone's trying to do now mm-hmm. um, and has kind of found his his spot in the team. And it's it's a really it's a pretty incredible turnaround from oh, where, yeah. where he was his first two years and where he is now. As I when he's healthy, I think he's genuinely our best playmaker. Uh, he was lost his first two years. His first year was up and down. His second year, he was he just a disaster. Disaster. Didn't look like he belonged in this team at this level at all. Uh, and Simeone publicly aired frustrations with him, and there were reports that Lema wanted to leave, that the club put him in the in the shop window. But no, he stayed. He gutted it out. Simeone gave him another chance, and he ran with it. And now look at him. I'm really happy for him. You know, and he's a guy that a lot of fans, including me, regrettably dumped on a little bit but he stayed and he made the most of that situation and i'm happy for him oh totally yeah no you, you can't help but love the story with him mm-hmm. uh, yeah he's been great some smart ass on the into the calderon account tweeted me like when i i said something about how lemma's renewal helped helped us register molina and witzel and this guy tweeted hashtag the barca way when it's not even remotely the same situation <laughs> yeah we're not publicly incensing violence against Toma Lemars like they are with Frankie Dion. Oh my god, that poor guy. I actually feel bad for a Barca player. Oh my I god. do too, man. And they're doing it's the same crazy. to Braithwaite. To Braithwaite, too. Yeah, I mean, like, what what are we doing here? You're shaming them and getting your fans to spit abuse at them because they aren't taking less money? They just want the money that's owed to them. Yeah. Through their through their contract, the terms stipulated in their contracts, they just want to be like I'm not going to turn down 17 million euro a year and and a life in Barcelona. Why should Frankie De Jong? Why should Martin Brethwaite? Why should Samuel Umtiti? Absolutely. Why should any of these guys leave? Like, no, it's not the current board's fault. It's the sure it's the old board's fault, but it's your mess. You need to deal with it in a responsible and ethical way. And that is my biggest problem with what Barcelona have done this summer. Like, is it going to be good for the league in the sense that it brings in revenue and eyeballs and an audience? Sure. But I think it's reprehensible what Barca have done this summer. Absolutely atrocious. Yeah, no, it's horrible. I think it's just galling what they have done and how they have done it. And the type of abuse that the current board has actually engendered, the the venom that is being spewed toward De Jong and Braithwaite and all the other players who won't play nice and cut their salaries or leave, they don't have to cut their salaries and leave. They can no. stay and collect their salaries. They should. Well, and it's and it's been such an obviously orchestrated media campaign as well. Yeah, the Barcelona like, the media stories is... coming out not only just about these players and their you know refusal or illegal contracts or whatever kind of shit Barcelona want to say but then these like New York Times ran a profile of, uh, of Laporta yeah washing his like, image oh, we'll spend our way out of this it's like what are we doing that, uh, spending our way out of it that's one way to look at it the other way to look at it is you're just it's three years from now Barcelona will be in the same position they were in during the pandemic which we're, you know, which we're still in, by the way. I think people forget we're still in a pandemic. Like any time I go to, I go to eat out. Like I went to Chipotle the other day, and I'm the only person in the entire Chipotle wearing my mask. Yeah, that's not surprising. <laughs> I mean, come on. I know we have some crazy people in Arizona, but come on, man. Uh, it, yeah, it's it's. I I think 
it's just gotten to a point where people don't care. I know. It's just, you're not going to be able to win that fight anymore. I know. And, like, I'm I'm going on a couple of trips later this year, so I'm going to be on an airplane and in an airport where other people aren't wearing their masks, and I understand the flights are long, people get upset. So, you know, I'm with you. I think we're all tired of this, but... Anyway, of course. I'll save the COVID rant for another time. Yeah, I mean, it. the thing with Barcelona, it's like... We understand that you are a, a very high-profile and historic club and all this, and it's not the current board's fault, but still, you have to bear this burden. And signing a bunch of really expensive players and selling off all your media assets and twerking in the streets of Barcelona, like, <laughs> is this really the way you want to handle this situation? Like, you famously, and love to tell everybody how good your academy is, why don't you just save some money and just use your academy players? They're, they're oh, aca- no. God they're, forbid. Their academy is so bad now, they're saying Ronald Arujo is made in La Masia. Exactly. When they bought him they're from... They're selling dudes when, to LA Galaxy like, right. oh, this dude, straight from the academy. Uh, you saw they let uh, Ricky Puj go, right? And, like, in his intro video with LA Galaxy, he's like, what's up, cheese? Yeah. yeah. What was that? I don't know. What was that? I don't know. <laughs> I was very puzzled when I saw that. It's also weird that a 22-year-old that came through Barcelona's Academy went to the Los Angeles Galaxy. Like, yeah, man, right on. It's good for MLS, right? We're getting some young talent in America. I guess. <laughs> I guess. Who do you think, just without looking, Yeah. Who who do you think is the, like best player for LA Galaxy. That Do you would, have any idea? That would require me knowing anyone on the LA Galaxy roster, which I don't. Is uh, Chicharito there? Yeah, it's, it's still Chicharito. There's one. But that feels really sad. <laughs> the, the, the year 2022, it's Chicharito. And I only know this because I saw an Instagram reel yesterday where a reporter asked him about the situation at Man United, which is hilarious. <laughs> Um, he played there once. Yeah, and he just said some very actually thoughtful comments about how Sir Alex Ferguson is long gone and they need to stop living in the past. Oh, actually, you know what? Excuse me. I, I misspoke. The best player for the Galaxy is Douglas Costa. That's where Douglas Costa is? Douglas Costa. Oh, yes. my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Remember him? He played yes. in big clubs. Oh, my gosh. He, he must have signed there a couple of years ago, right? Um... Looks like he joined in February of this year. It feels like a couple of years ago. This has been a long year. It's been a long year in your defense. It's been a long, <laughs> been a long couple of years. Time has been kind of blurred during the pandemic. Yeah, Douglas Costa. How about that? Uh, well, yeah. Good, good luck, Ricky Puig. I, I am not an MLS expert. I think I'm, I'm showing that right sucks, now. Dude. <laughs> MLS sucks, dude. Well, you're an Atlanta United uh, aficionado, Rob. Oh, yeah, I love them. They're great. Well, but uh, I probably should. Well, let's just say, like, I uh, I know a guy who's an Atlanta United fan um, who claims that his the two clubs that he supports are Manchester United and Atlanta United. And the reason he's a Man United fan uh, <laughs> is because of Michael Owen. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, not only is that, like, an extremely specific window of time that you had to start watching soccer, you chose to, like, extraordinarily wash Michael Owen when he was at Manchester United? I mean, we all have our own fandom stories. I I, I try not to cast too much judgment, but that is very strange. So ran- It's not even, like, I'm not even mad at it. It's just random. He, pl- he played there for three years. 31 games. Yeah, that's not... He, he won the Ballon d'Or at Liverpool. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was just so confused when I told him. I was like, are you being serious right now? Yeah. Really? That was the guy. Uh, the teams that won the Champions League for Manchester United, you're like, no, Michael Owen. Michael. Not Carlos Tevez. Michael Owen. <laughs> Give me Michael Owen. Yeah, you're right. That's a very specific uh, snapshot in history. Give me a Paco. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, let's wrap. Dog, excuse me. Let's wrap with some uh, 
You got any? What the fuck do I know? You got any La Liga predictions, Rob? I don't know. Someone will be terrible. Um, let's see. Uh, do I have any La Liga predictions? Um, uh, like, where, where do you think Atleti finish? Let's just let's start there. I mean, third probably. Third. Yeah. Um, I think there is the potential for second if Barcelona fail to register a bunch of players, which is certainly on the table. Or if this, or if it doesn't matter, if there's some weird thing that happens at Madrid. Who knows? Um, yeah, it's, it's been known to happen at Madrid before, but I think they're very strong. I think we could be they're a, so good. we could be a very good third place team, but we'll be a third place team. I think more than likely we will be. Um, I don't think Sevilla will finish in the top four. I don't think it'll be especially close for them either. I have them finishing seventh, and someone just unloaded on me the other day for saying that. Well, oh, I saw that they lost their two starting center backs, and they didn't. They their solution was to sign Isco who hasn't been, no disrespect, but he hasn't been good in years. Isco has been kind of an afterthought for multiple seasons. He hasn't been good since he was in Malaga. Like, his, the, his biggest contributions for Real Madrid were coming off the bench in Champions League finals. That was it. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, well, I, I laugh at that, but he was, like, one of the decisive reasons why they beat us in 2014. He was sick. Yeah. He, but that was it. That was all he did. Yeah, Ancelotti brought Di Maria and Isco off the bench that game, and it was it was tough. We couldn't stop them. Yeah, he was, but and he was amazing at Malaga. But he whatever, was. he got ruined at Real Madrid. Um, yeah, I I don't think severe much. I don't think they're too much to worry about. It's a, it's gonna, I think again we're kind of seeing. It's a weird mix of teams, man. <laughs> like I don't. I, if you ask me to pick, like seven through fifteen in La Liga, I don't think I could do it with any level of confidence. Yeah, I gave it my best shot earlier today, but I, I think on one hand it's pretty interesting and, and it, it's good for just overall parity. I think a, a lot of sure. viewers won't be too interested because they have Premier League to distract them. Yeah. But, you know, there are some good teams mid-table. I like what Hatafe did this summer. They reinforced pretty well. Uh, Athletic brought Valverde back. Uh, Osasuna should be pretty reliably mid-table. Curious to see how Manu Sanchez gets on there, his third year there. Samuel Lino at Valencia will be nice to watch, especially with Geddes gone. And Roro Riquelme at Girona, big move for him. If he does well there this year, I think we see him in Atleti's first team next season. Yeah, definitely. That's a, that's a big chance for him. And uh, Cameo at Rio. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see these guys because we've kind of been following them as they've gone through their loans in the lower divisions. Um, and it's fun to see them when they, when, uh, when they get to actually play with the big boys. Yeah, absolutely. I think these are all really good loans. We could see them up close and personal in La Liga in the top flight. So it's, it's good. Definitely I- ideal loan moves. I think Celta will get relegated. There, there's my shout for you. Yeah, uh, Brendy Boyle on Twitter also said that yesterday. I was a bit surprised, but the, the vibes there are bad. They're bad. No, like the, the, out, just a total war between Dennis Suarez and the president. The president and the coach are fighting uh, over transfer targets, and basically, it's Kenny Aspas at 35 years old pull us out of the out of the fire again. Yeah. Which maybe he can. Aspas is a stud. But, yeah. By the way, you failed to say uh, his, Dennis Suarez's full name, which is Arsenal legend. I, you're Dennis right. Suarez. Arsenal legend Dennis Suarez. Arsenal legend. I, I, you might prefer to be at Arsenal right about now. I'll never forget those six games. <laughs> never, as long as I live. <laughs> no, I, yeah, they're bad. I think they're going to be real bad. Um, I had them, I think, 15th, which I, I think Kudet's probably... They'll be down there, for sure. He's probably going to be the first coach fired. Like Kudet's probably going to get the sack, and then someone they'll bring in someone to help them stave off relegation, but they're going to be down there. Uh, yeah, I had Sevilla 7th. Uh, between Betis, Villarreal, and La Real, I don't see a whole lot of difference there. I think Gerard Moreno, if he's healthy this year, will probably be enough to get Villarreal 4th. Uh, sad as I am to agree with you, I, th- I think I think you're right. Because you are a big Unai Emery fan. Love him. Love him <laughs> to death. Love that guy. Um, yeah, I I would like to see Real Sociedad do better this year because I like their team. Um, maybe this is the like Isak 
does really well here and like gets his big move to finally to Arsenal. That we've been waiting for for a hundred million years. <laughs> yeah, you know, but like I like their team. I've always liked their team, but it. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, any further Atleti predictions? We talked about third in La Liga, Copa del Rey, Champions League. Uh, Champions League, uh, probably not. Um, but I think Copa del Rey would be interesting because it's been kind of rough. <laughs> Man, we haven't competed in the Copa del Rey in years. It's been years. real tough. Like, rough exits, too. Um, no, I, I think, you know, it's... it's I mean, it's the Copa del Rey. It is what it is. But I think it would be nice to actually try in that competition. Um, I'll be interested to see what the group is um, for the Champions League. Yeah, it I'm, feels I'm, like we always get hammered. I'm extremely interested in the group because I'm going to be in Spain uh, for, match ah. day, for match day five of the group stage. So I would really like to know who we're playing that week. <laughs> Hopefully it's not Caravac. So, oh, no, that's a curse word. We, we, have, to bleep, we have to bleep that out. It could, it could be. I have to you go in, I have to go into Audacity now and bleep that out. <laughs> Goddamn, dude. Did they win the league last year? Yeah, of course they did. Of course they yeah, did. And they, they just made it through their Champions League playoff round. Good for them. Classic. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> Those classic guys, we love them. Mm. You know, I, again, I, I give them credit for helping us win the Europa League. <laughs> they did do that because with without those two games that year, we don't drop into the Europa League. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So in it a we- in a though. weird way, we like Carabash. Yeah, you know, I guess. Man, I don't think I can pronounce any player's name in their in their team. It it's rough. And it, it's mostly Eastern European and, and like specifically mostly Azerbaijani. Azerbaijani or Armenian. Well, no, well, not Armenian. They don't get along. Yeah, that would, I don't think that would go. Oh, th- that's geopolitics corner. They do have a Georgian, though. Shout out. Yeah, they get along with Georgia, don't they? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I, I'm not going to venture into geopolitical not territory. My, not my Georgian. No, that's right. Not your the dogs. Other, the other ones. Not your dogs. Not, not the dogs. Not them. <laughs> not them. I don't think we want their footballers. <laughs> I don't think they can. I don't think they can play middle linebacker. Just to guess. Defensive lineman in the SEC. Yeah, that might be tough. That <laughs> might be tough. Uh, we we uh, I actually mentioned this to Rob before we went on the air, but I want to mention it again because it's so damn funny. Uh, the LSU Tigers football team is charging uh, fans almost fourteen thousand dollars to tailgate this season, which is. Well, and, and it says something about how sick my SEC brain is. I was like, I mean, it sounds like you get a lot for your money there. Yeah, because they have the ice chests and the TV. You get two coolers. And the table set up and the bellhop service. And, and you, Rob, southern man you are, like, yeah, that's a pretty good deal, if I do say so myself. <laughs> do you get a free koozie? If so, I'm in. <laughs> Can you do, like, a, a Matthew McConaughey true detective type? <laughs> No, accent no, there. no. That that's that's uh, that's a different region uh, to my to my level of southern. It, it's too swampy. It's too swampy. It's too swampy. It's too Texasy. I can't. I've never actually been able to do a Texas accent because it it's just like a different intonation of of southern. It's it's more country than I am. Mine tends to veer into Australian when I try it. I mean, they're not dissimilar places. People that live there are insane. <laughs> you know, like, they drink a, an exceptional amount. And they, I don't know, less poisonous snakes, I guess. Yeah, yes. By some amount. The flora and the fauna of Australia are just very, very scary stuff. I ain't going to that place. No, no. No, sir. <laughs> I'm not. You can go into a bush to take a pee and you'll get every 1700s disease. <laughs> Oh my you know god. what I mean? I'm oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> uh, hell no. No, absolutely not. Well, before we sign off, we do have to do the the uh, now standard, I guess, Arsenal check in. Oh great! Through one game, a success away at Crystal Palace with the uh, new captain Martin Odegaard. Yeah, he's pretty good. How you feeling about uh, the Gunners? You know, kind of in a 
a, a pleasing parallel. I kind of feel similarly um, as I do about Atleti in that I can talk myself into or out of the team at any given moment. <laughs> um, like, I like the players. I think the players they sign make sense and are proven in the Premier League and are good. Uh, but then also I'm like, uh, do I really want to watch a whole season of Thomas Partey uh, given what information has come out yeah, about him? the very serious and very bad information. Seems real bad. Yeah. Seems real bad, yeah. um, which is unfortunate because he is uh, a guy that for many years, both you and I have had a lot of emotion invested into good and bad um, and, but now it's all bad. Yeah. Now it's all, all real bad. Yeah, so uh, that that's unfortunate. So wish that wasn't a thing. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people wish that wasn't the thing, and that he shouldn't well, be eligible for selection even. Yeah, it's it, that's the yeah, worst part. Is that he remains spot, he man. remains eligible for selection regardless of the PR black eye Arsenal are going to get from this. He remains eligible for selection, and Arteta is going to keep picking him. Oh, he's going to play. Yeah. Because, you know, there's no... I mean, he was found not guilty, as far as we know, basically on a technicality, not based on the absence of guilt. Right. Which, you know, I'm not sure how union laws or whatever work with contracts over there, but I know certainly in American sports, that's a problem. Right. Like, if a baseball player is found not guilty of DV, then you can't really suspend him or release him. Because then you'll get in a whole bunch of contractual hell because there wasn't, like, an actual conviction, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's a tough spot to be in. I just I just wish he wasn't on the team, really, um, at the end of the day. It's a pretty gross. Really it's, gross. It's just really gross. Really gross. You know. Um, so, yeah, not happy about that. Um, yeah, no. But uh, otherwise, it's fine. I guess we'll see what happens on Saturday. But uh, I feel okay. I feel like we'll probably finish either fourth or fifth. Same as same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. Yeah. Doesn't, never really changes. Finishing outside of the Champions League places would be karmic for the Thomas party situation, probably. Uh, a fair point. Right? A fair point, It yes. wouldn't not be karmic. For Arteta to continue selecting him and they finish outside of the Champions League. I agree. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I mean, that that signing has just been a disaster, you know, even prior to this stuff, so... And, you know, the amazing thing is Diego Simeone has not said thing one about Thomas since he left. And that was two years ago. He hasn't mentioned him in any interviews, any press conferences that I've followed along with. Nothing. Not a word. Yeah. I... It seemed like that ended on a bad note. He he left. He went out the back door. You know, not to make an unfortunate pun there, but he he left in in an incorrect way. He did, and it was a weird transfer at the time that we didn't really see coming. I guess we probably should have, but um, yeah, it was just just wasn't great, was it? A word for Lucas Torreira before we leave, Rob, as he, he played for, oh, yeah. for both your teams. Uh, now he's at Galatasaray, which is a bit of a weird move for him. Weird move. I, You know, I feel like I'm crazy because I always really liked him. Me, me too, man. I don't know. He's, he's just a useful guy to have. Short, stocky, combative South American midfielder. What's not to like? Yeah. Use, that's a useful player. Yeah. Like he's not gonna he's not gonna be a star or knock your socks off like playing he's not Rodri like he's not gonna complete ninety nine percent of his passes that's just not gonna happen right but he's a useful player Galatasaray feels like a sad move for him yeah he, like you can understand Dries Mertens going there sure but totally. Torreira is still in his mid twenties he's twenty six. Well, it seemed like it was a situation where all of the Italian teams are hilariously broke <laughs> uh, due to the pandemic mostly right. uh, yeah and, even you and also general Italianness. <laughs> you know that's you know anti-italian I mean? discrimination <laughs> he says in the silvio dante voice yeah that's right but they're uh you know fiorentina couldn't afford him no one else really could um 
So he had to go to Galatasaray for like five million pounds, which is just kind of sad. Yeah, he's a better player than that. You know, and, and I wish it would have worked out for him at Atletico because I loved that signing, especially on loan. I loved it. Thought it started it out great. It did. His first game against Celta, when we were still playing the 4-4-2, he was dynamite. He was everywhere that afternoon. Yeah, amazing. He scored that golazo against Osasuna on Halloween when Suarez was still out with COVID. Um he just never really found his way there and his mom died and it was just really sad it was just rough that whole year was rough yeah Um, but yeah I I wish him all the best Um, good player I doubt he'll be a Galatasaray for long I feel like he'll be there for maybe a season or two and then some team will get their money up and sign him back he did say that he wanted to go to Boca Juniors he did say that, but that I think that was also kind of part of the family stuff that he had going on. Yeah. Um, I think he just wanted to get back closer to home, which, you know, fair enough. It's a long way away, but... Maybe it still happens. It could. Yeah. But I, that sort of seems like a later in the career thing, you know? Yeah, probably. You know, I mean, he's not going to you know, he's not gonna go back to Uruguay like Luis Suarez. What did you think of that move, by the way? Speaking of Suarez. I think it's cool. I like it. Um, I think it makes sense for where he's at. Because he's basically done. But I think probably in Uruguay he'll be a beast and they'll love him. Um, It's a good way to go out. I mean, he could play there for probably, what, three more years? He could probably go there for two or three years. It was really weird that a, a move in Europe didn't materialize for him. Yeah. I thought it was kind of weird. I wonder how much, what desire he had to go to some, like, mid to lower table side, you know? Yeah. Yeah, That's that's a consideration. That's information we're not privy to. Right. Like, I guess maybe, like, Ajax would have been cool. Um, Something like that. But, I don't know. Maybe maybe he was just like, you know what, I'm at this certain age. uh, Let's just get, let's just go home. Mm Mm-hmm. And then it's, it's, a good, it's a good time to do it. He's out of contract at Atletico. Yeah. Uh, you know, everyone kind of saw last year that he had lost multiple steps and that he wasn't, like, he pretty much exhausted everything he had left helping us win the title, which thank you for that. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Uh, so, you know, you're watching El Pistolero and you, you know he's not what he once was. I, I just thought it was a little weird, but, you know, just what a story, right? Just totally romantic, oh, yeah. going back to Nacional after 16 years and then scoring in his second game. Really cool. Yeah, really you, cool. you can't not love it. I yeah. mean, you can say he probably could have gone to a higher standard of a club, but I think at this point in his life, I, I get it. Why not? Yeah. Well, on that note, probably a pretty good place to stop. Rob Walker, thank you so much, as ever, for joining me on this special season preview edition of Colchonero Chat. My pleasure. Always, always glad to hop on. And again, the, the fun starts for real on Monday night. Atletico play Hatafe in a mini derby match day one of La Liga Santander. We're going to be doing podcasts after just about every game this season. Uh, as which is the games in September and October, it's going to be hectic as we have the midseason World Cup. Games are going to be coming thick and fast, so... We will do our best to keep up and uh, deliver the goods. Follow us on Twitter and on our site, intothecalderon.com. Also, from as little as $3 a month, you too can become a Colch Nero Chat amigo, patreon.com slash Chat. You can listen to all new and archived episodes of this program and the Partido a Partido podcast uh, wherever you get your podcasts. But subscribe on Spotify uh, to the Atletico Madrid Podcast Network. We'll chat with you again next week. Adios. <laughs>